This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob live from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center, Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com. A beautiful day outside. A little chilly out there. Man, it is cold. It's a little cold outside. Were you doing yard work? Uh, you know how I reported that I uh, I buried a bunch of primrose little flowers? And yeah. They got snowed on. Yeah. And then I took the blow dryer, my wife's blow dryer out there. <laughs> yeah. All for naught. They died. They're dead. Already? Yeah. Goodness. I didn't expect it to snow. Come on, man. You can't, you can't, uh, I guess you just can't do landscaping year-round. You just going to have to let it go for a bit. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, uh, Yeah, I'd be okay with that, by the way. <laughs> I don't think, I think you like, you're like my dad. You you talk about how much you don't like it, but it, somebody's got to do it. But you spend yeah. a lot of time and you take a lot of pride in it. Well, so. I do take a lot of pride in this, that I'm the only guy in my entire street that doesn't hire out. Ah, yeah, and the the guy that does everything is Tony, and I know Tony. We've I've known him since I moved in there. He's been doing. I used to have him do my yard, and then I'm like, I'll take care of it. Ryan Roland Smith would be proud of you. It was a huge, saving your money. Huge mistake. <laughs> I don't, I'm not doing it because I'm cheap. I'm not as cheap as Ryan Roland Smith, who, by the way, will be uh, be with us uh, next Monday. Yeah, you finally get your shot. You, I know. You, you thought he was avoiding you every time you were gone. He would fill in with, well, not every time, but he would fill in with me, and, and I'll be gone on Monday, so he's going to sit in with you, and you'll talk football for are you four going hours. In, are you going to go into a dark room? I'm gonna, gonna, uh, it's going to be a darkness retreat starting Friday. It'll be a three-day darkness retreat, and then much like Aaron's Smith and uh, Aaron Rodgers, excuse me, and the uh, Groundhog, I will reemerge <laughs> with answers, with well, answers about my life, Dave. We'll, we'll know if there's another uh, month of uh, winter or something like something that. Something like that. Or I'll just tell you, I think I'll be here Tuesday. Yeah. Well, I threatened Ryan Roland Smith. Um, first of all, um, there's not going to be any questions about how cheap he is. I would never do that. <clears throat> uh, also, I told him that we're going to talk football the entire time. So. Tell him to bring his little his little noisemaker. <laughs> he forgot it last time, man. He said that the kids were playing with it, but he's got that little button that throws out Aussie phrases. And he was wearing a shirt <laughs> during our show that said, crikey. No way. Yeah, yeah. He said, I think one of his, his kids got it for him or something. So, yeah, he was wearing it proudly. <laughs> so there you go. But, yeah, so Ryan will be in on Monday. Meanwhile, we are here at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. Obviously, today is Thursday, which means the John Schneider Show at 4 o'clock. The Seahawks GM will join us. Looking forward to that. We had a lot of fun the first time around. People seem to really enjoy him and his sense of humor and uh, his candidness. And, and again, he'll... It's only so much he can say. You know, people, how come you didn't ask them who they're drafting or how much they're going to pay? Well, because no GM is going to tell anybody right. in the media, well, this is the guy we're targeting. Here's how much we're going to pay Gino. Here's what's happening behind the scenes. You know, there's only so much. So realistic. Let's be realistic about what we could ask. But he's he's pretty much an open book outside of those obvious things. It's And he's, he's a lot of fun to speak with. Yeah, and I think this is going to be an interesting one. And next week, too, the Combine. There's lots of that goes on at the Combine. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like uh, Disneyland for coaches and uh, and GMs and, and scouts. It's kind of a reunion, huh? Yeah, like everybody gets together, and that's where a lot of business is done. And, you know, and at some point, maybe when he's over at the Combine, I can ask him about the, the Trent Kirchner story I keep referring to. Is That's a guy that stood outside 
the combine in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and uh, what was it? it used to be called the RCA Dome, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He just stood outside. Uh, I think he did it two or three years in a row of just holding his resume, his resume yeah. to, to you know. And I think one got to Schneider, and you know, Trent's probably going to be a GM at some point. I mean, we know Scott Fitterer, uh, Dan Morgan. I mean, there's been uh, Alonzo Highsmith, a lot of guys that have moved on, and you know, don't want to see him go, but. Um, that's amazing, man. I mean, you got to really love that, right? Yeah. To to put to go down there, and you know, and I think he he borrowed somebody's car and drove down there, and he stayed with like a second cousin. When I'm know. guessing during this time of year in Indianapolis, it's not really warm. Yeah. To be standing outside, just no. standing out. Now I don't know how long he was out there, but that I think that sends a message about how serious somebody is, whether they've got the credentials or not. You'll find out, but that if I were a guy in power or had some influence where I could help somebody, and I saw somebody doing that, you go that would make a that would make an impression. This kid's got some stick-to-itiveness, right? Well, yeah, it shows that, as you just said, their passion for the for what they want to do. Yeah, you know, they're not. You know, kids these days, Dave, they expect everything just to be handed to them. They don't want to stand <laughs> out in the cold. This is the old man <laughs> show. You know, they, they want Arm to come in. Bob. They get out of college. How come I don't have a GM job sitting in my lap? <laughs> exactly. No, I've never done anything in the game, but I need that job. Well, Schneider, you know, like when he first got here, I was like, hey, you know, how would I be able to, like, become a scout or something like that? And he's like, well, we have an internship program that you could possibly apply to. But, you know, I mean, there was no, like, no preference. Hey, because we're buddies. You're no. That's just the way they do things, and that's, you know, that's uh, they they really. I mean, all of them kind of went through that same thing. Yeah. So now they're not going to be like, oh, well, because you played nine years in the NFL, you can just like hop the the line Skip here. Skip the line. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's like you said, you got to love it. Gotta love it. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk to John coming up at four o'clock today. That's going to be a lot of fun. How about uh, his warm up act? Did you mention him? We better Paul Moyer. Yeah, I would never refer to him as such, Dave. <laughs> and I want that on the record that the the person that referred to Paul as the opening act uh, is his buddy Dave I Wyman. Said warm up. I, I call him a co-headliner. Is what yeah. I would call him okay. a co-headliner. But Paul Moyer will be with us at three o'clock today. So a lot of good stuff coming your way. We had KJ Wright on yesterday. Uh, he was in studio. He was doing a podcast with our buddy Adam Ray, uh, who we had on the show as well. If you missed yesterday's show, you should definitely check that out on the podcast page because we had KJ in studio, who was great. Adam was great as always, and then yeah. John Morosi, who's great. They're just great. That's what they do. They yeah. they do great things. Well, that hour that we had where Adam comes in right after KJ, and yeah. I mean, KJ could have talked to him for three straight hours. Yeah, I and mean, there, there were was... things today I was telling you like, oh. I can't believe I didn't ask yeah. him about this or, you know, yeah, he, he was great. He was great. But one of the things we were talking to uh, KJ about, obviously, is the defense and his, his thoughts on on what he saw. Now, this was the first year where they went to the three, four with four, three principles or four, three with three, whatever you want to call it. They, they There was a shift in the defense this year. <laughs> we thought it was going to be much more successful than it was ended up being. It certainly wasn't. And we asked KJ, you know, what what did you see in terms of a 3-4? What was, what was the problem with it? Yeah, going from a 4-3 to a 3-4, I, I did that my last year. Like, 2020, we went to the 3-4 stick front. And um, that's the move that they wanted to go forward. And um, just looking at personnel that we had on the football field this past season, in particular with the um, – 
the linebackers and the interior defensive line. It was it was not pretty. It was not pretty at all. Just watching those guys get pushed around, just watching the line but the linebackers get you know suffocated by blocks and not be able to to find their way to make their plays. And so um, I wanted I want more big boys up front. You want to go three four? Let's get some some big guys up there. Some big Al Woods at all three spots: the nose and the two three techniques. Yeah, what's, you, what's a three four stick front? I, I know you're going to ask me that. I have no idea. Oh, okay. I don't know what he's talking about. But I mean, look, <laughs> I, I guarantee you that he can easily explain. Oh, it. it's some very. Well, he said it like it was or, common. Like, yeah. well, we were doing a three-four stick front. And, I should have asked him, but um, but yeah, just some kind of terminology. I'm not sure what what he was what he was talking about there. But yeah, I mean, I I think the one thing that that I having that conversation with KJ and it was kind of cool to see that because, you know, KJ was up on the line a lot of times, but a lot of times he was back as a second level linebacker, mm-hmm. you know, lined up three, four yards off the ball in the middle of the, the box there. And, you know, we both talked about the delay of the reads. Like, so the linemen are, playing like a two-gap read type of thing. Meaning they're meaning making they're, a decision in the moment. Yeah, it's like I don't have the A-gap. I have the A-gap and the B-gap, and based on the play, it's either going to be one or the other. So the linebacker sitting there waiting for him to choose. Right. Then he has to wait. Then, and you'll hear this from Moyer. Moyer used to say this all the time. I remember this as a player. He's like, I don't care what gap you commit to, but commit to it early. Right. Because now I'm filling in. So, like we talked about yesterday, there's a read thing going on. This is very general, um, but there's there's kind of a, a read thing. There's a little split second there that's a delay. Then the linebacker, he has to read that, so he, he's got a delay. So Puna chooses finally to go yeah. to the A gap. You now you go, to, go the to the B gap. And now the safety's coming into play. And that's, I think, KJ said, then the safety comes to the party. Yeah. And he needs to know where the lane is. And, you know, and a lot of times I saw that happen with Quandre Diggs, where, and that guy doesn't miss lanes. I mean, he's good. He's a good player. He's a pro bowler. And he looked he looked like he was confused. And he was the one guy last year that mentioned that the two-gap thing, that they ditched that. And that was during that historic, you know, not historic, but they were the hottest defense in the league, man. Mm-hmm. They were playing so well in those four games. And, and you know, and I don't – it doesn't have anything to do with the opponents, okay? Because people are like, well – I mean, there was two playoff teams in there. It was the Chargers and the Giants. The yeah. other two games were against Arizona. Mm-hmm. And and that's fine. They were they were lost. But still, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about the opponent. It could have been anybody. I mean, that, at that point, the Giants were the number two run game uh, in, in the league. So uh, it was just about how they were playing that. And then, you know, they, they kind of slowly got – away from that so yeah there were some perplexing things i was looking at this though bob you know we talked about ken norton in 20 and 21 i mean he was number 31 against the pass for two years in a row they were giving up 265 and 285 um, and last year the passing yards they were number 13 so i mean that was that's an improvement but like you like to say last year, I was like, I think it's going to be the most improved. You're like, well, it's kind of a low bar. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it doesn't take much to improve from yeah. what they were. Right. But they did go to number 13. So that was okay. The one that bothered me the most, and really that was the one where the Seahawks in 2020, they were number five against the run. They were averaging, you know, giving up 95 yards a game. Well, last year they were number 30 
and they were giving up 150 yards a game. So, and that was to me the most, the one that stands out, and I think KJ said this, you have to stop the run. You have to stop the run first and foremost. And then, you know, their pass defense just wasn't that bad. But I I just think a lot of times it was because, remember, Carolina had a fourth and goal, and they threw it. I'm like, why in the world are you not running the ball on this defense? Because they were were giving up lots of yards on the ground. So, um, yeah, a lot of that is because, you know, that's where people were attacking them. And they were number 30, so only two teams worse against the run last year. So looking at this, and, and we've talked a lot about 3-4, 4-3, all of this, and we'll, we, can ask, uh, we can ask Paul what a stick front is if he knows what that is. Yeah. We'll test him. Uh, but who, who fits? Who fits a three? Let, let's just say, because, you know, the other question I've asked you before, should they go back? Should they? That doesn't seem like that's in Pete's. You know, mindset to go. Well, we tried it for a year. That wasn't good. We're going back to a four three. I don't. I don't see him doing it. But we've talked about this. I, I picture Pete coming out. Yeah, we're we're going to make some tweaks. We've made some adjustments. It's still a three four. But we've a, now what that means. We'll find out. But who do they have? Assuming it's a three four moving forward, that you look at and go, that's the perfect guy. Al Woods, right? He fits Al a Woods three is four. Be thirty six. Well, that's what I was just going to say. He's the one guy who seems to be the consensus. Just like KJ said, we need some big Al Woods guys up there. Yeah. Well, you got one, but we don't know how long he's going to play, how effective he's going to be. He's thirty six years old. Who else fits outside of Al Woods, who we wish was twenty six? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. I mean, I don't know that Puna is meant to play tackle, play more outside. You know, he's he's not a huge guy. Mm-hmm. He's got long arms, and, you know, he's probably close to 300 pounds, but still, I just don't know. And then the other guy that they went and got was Quentin Jefferson. That was a guy they thought who was a bigger guy that fits the mold there. Um, what about Monet? Yeah, Monet, okay. I mean, look, these are all guys that are okay. They're they they do a good job. Remember Monet in twenty twenty had a he had a, a play where he shot through the gap and you know tackled. Uh, I think it was a safety against right. the Cowboys. And you know you see those kinds of plays every once in a while. But but do you feel like they're more suited? Well, yeah, he's a. I don't think it's about are these good players or bad players. It's about. Does a 3-4 fit them, or are they really not? They're more of a 4-3 type of player. Yeah, I think Woods and Monet are, they fit it. You know, but I just don't, but Monet, I mean, he's not at the level of Al Woods. Right. And, and I always bring up the play where against New Orleans where Al was just a battler, man. I mean, he would stand in there, chuck the center. I mean, he was, he is country strong. His strength is ridiculous. Yeah. So it's really ridiculous watching him. Remember we had one him? arm, a running back yeah. who's coming through the hole and he leaps over the last second with one arm guy if, who's in full stride at 220, whatever pounds. Yeah. And clotheslines him right. with that giant leg that's hanging off his shoulder. All oh, those hands. Man. Goodness, he's it strong. looks like a but, ham. But, yeah, I mean, I think he is. he's good now. He's getting older. Uh, he did miss, you know, the 2020 season. So there was yeah. less wear and tear there because he opted out because of the pandemic. But uh, so, yeah, you get a little bit fresh. But, I mean, look, when you get to be 36 – that is that's pretty much the age where everything kind of starts to head downhill and i don't i'm not wishing you know ill will or anything it's just nature father right. time right so anyway that's that's the one guy i think at the nose but really when you look at the guys at at the tackle position i don't really see i don't see guys that are you know there's puna there's q there's 
Yeah, that, I, I don't. I don't really see anybody else that is that good. What about in terms of the linebackers they have? Because I feel like that's a spot we've talked about. I feel like it's more urgent than maybe we've given it credit for being the situation. And by the way, there is a, a linebacker we're all familiar with who's available now. Bobby Wagner and the Rams have agreed to part ways. Oh, really? Uh, according to Adam Schefter, Rams and nine-time uh, All-Pro linebacker Bobby Wagner mutually agreed Thursday to part ways. Uh, so the Rams need more cap space, and Wagner wants to win. He will now be a notable part of this year's free agent class. This, according to Adam Schefter, about 16 minutes ago. I have to say this, that if there's a choice between him and Levante David, I'm probably going to take Levante, Levante David yeah. uh, just because he's more physical. I mean, Bobby's nature. Now, I thought he got better as the season went on, but, you know, there was lots of times where he was slipping blocks. I sent you guys the videos of the first game of the year where, mm-hmm. I mean, there was like 27 yards of rushing where he's going on the backside of blocks constantly. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Get, getting back to the – well, Let's go linebacker, like you said. I mean, that was something I thought, but I didn't want to say. But KJ was like, remember on the morning show, he was like, we don't have any linebackers. And the reason why he said that is because Jordan Brooks is hurt. You don't really know. You don't know with him. And I'm not trying to push the panic button or anything. I think the ACL surgery happens all the time. You know, and it's it's not, but it's still a short period of time. And then, you know, whereas I was very sure – about Cody Barton, now I'm not sure. And I think it has a lot to do with he played really well in the 4-3. He was playing at a starter's level, but then in the 3-4, there was a couple of games that he had. I mean, he had a couple of picks. You know, he made some plays, but for the most part, you know, he just looked like he didn't really he, – he looked lost. And I don't think it's his ability. It, it is his – it was just that it did not make any sense to him. So, yeah, I, I, linebacker is critical. KJ, again, he was with us yesterday in case you're just tuning in. We, we had him in the studio. Really fun conversation with him. Uh, again, if you missed that, it's on the podcast page at seattlesports.com. But here he is in, in his opinion explaining why he felt the linebacker struggled in the 3-4 system. I, I grew up in the 4-3 system. I understood that clearly we're going to run 4-3, cover three, eight man in the box. Everything is covered. Let's play football. With these guys, they ran a lot of too high safeties. So the linebackers, like you said, Dave, they got a two yard. They got to wait until the safeties come to the party. So by that time that happens, it's a five yard game. Right. Second and five, they can do whatever they want to do at that point. And so I, I don't necessarily love the scheme. I believe if we get bigger up front that we could we could do better against the run. Yeah, I guess the the only reason mentioning. Look, you know, whenever somebody says, well, they're going to run on you if you have too high safety, I'm always like, are you telling me they don't have every gap covered? Because mm-hmm. if they don't have every gap covered, then they're idiots. Right. So they do. It's just that you get an extra guy if you're not, you know, have two, you know, playing you cover bring one two. Of the safeties yeah, down. you bring him down like he's like an extra linebacker in there. So, I mean, but. Yeah, I, I, to me, I'm with KJ on that. Give me four, three, cover three. You know, it's three deep. It's, you know, uh, four uh, four underneath. And then you've got four rushers. And that's what the Seahawks just lived and died with. Sometimes they would surprise you and play man, you know, but it was it was pretty solid. But everybody knew exactly what they were supposed to do. So now it comes down to, 
You know, and here's the thing about the the reading the blocks and stuff. First of all, you're trying to determine whether it's run or pass, and it's mm. harder than ever right now with the RPOs because it it could look like um, you know look like a a run and it's a pass right. and, and vice versa. So yeah, there's um, you know not so much the other way, but you know for the most part it, it goes that way. So now you're trying to is it a run or a pass? Is it an RPO? Okay, now I'm going to get to my to my gap. Now you add in there, is it a runner pass? Is it an RPO? Now i got to wait for the lineman to get to a gap so I know where my gap is. Mm-hmm. You don't know where it is. And then, like I said, it's a ripple effect. The, defense, the defensive tackle, he reads it. Then the linebacker has to read him, and then the safety has to read him. So, yeah, it just uh, to me, that's, that's what they weren't doing during that four-game period. Before we get to take two, quickly, you talked about reading the O-lineman as a linebacker to tip you off the the way they're positioned. Yeah. Oh, that's a pass. Oh, that's a run. With the RPO, do they still give that same signal? Yeah, well, I mean, you still, you don't, the linemen don't even know. Yeah. The offensive right. linemen don't even know. I mean, it's a, if it's so an that RPO. that tell goes out the window then. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's why it's, it's, it's a lot harder. So you add all those things together, to me, just take out the, the read part of it for the D lineman. Like, everybody knows where their gap is. Right. And I feel like that's something that uh, Quandre Diggs echoed during. He said it in sort of a, sort of a uh, I don't know, it wasn't a direct way, but it, you could sort of infer from what he was saying that, that that's what was going on. All right, let's take two. Well, it might be more newsworthy for the fact that he won't be playing against the Mariners, but Shannon Drea reported earlier today that noted Mariners menace Cole Calhoun has been signed to a minor league deal with the Mariners pending a physical. (laughs) Wow. Our our buddy uh, Luke Arkins tagged me on on Twitter about that because he knows how I feel about Calhoun. I said, as long as he's not playing against the Mariners, I'm good. Because he could, we've talked about it, he could be having his worst season ever. We, we got him one time, we faced him one time when he had just come back. They sent him down to AAA because he was struggling so badly. Brought him back up, and he had been struggling since he had come back up. But he faces the Mariners, what happens? He comes up with some hit or some home run or some play that hurts them. He was just a consistent thorn in their side. So, great. If he's part of their minor league system, he gets called up, awesome. As long as they don't have to deal with him facing him I'm, I'm at peace with that yeah i remember uh, with the a's it was coco chris back in the, yeah in the just day. those guys just a, a thorn in your side who's the who's the second baseman uh thumb fletcher For, yeah david fletcher yeah he's also they need to sign him too <laughs> him and Cole. Yeah, a team of guys that just sit there and don't play against the Mariners. Uh, yeah, well, yeah them. Right, exactly. Uh, so the Rex Ryan adventure that we talked about that could happen won't in Denver because the Broncos have hired their former head coach, Vance Joseph, as their defensive coordinator. Do you play uh-huh. against him or with him? Vance Joseph? Was he during your time or was he no, before? I don't, I don't think so. But, um, yeah, it's interesting and everybody was comparing it to uh, – like Wade Phillips, because he was the head coach when I was there, mm-hmm. and then they brought him back as the D coordinator. So yeah. this is pretty fair. I mean, he was their coach seventeen and eighteen. Yeah. So fairly recently, and I guess John Elway let him go. Kind of interesting, you know, that uh, the Broncos—they've, you know, you go back to the Shanahan days. It was Mike Shanahan and John Elway. Yeah. You know, but now since then, it's been sort of whether it's the coach. Or the quarterback. They've had a hard time figuring out who's going to be the guy. 
All right, Take Two is brought to you by Swedish Cyberknife. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish Cyberknife. Swedish.org slash Cyberknife Prostate. Coming up, can you win a Super Bowl with Geno Smith? We asked KJ Wright that question. We'll weigh in on that as well. That's coming up with Wyman and Bob live from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Coming up at 3 o'clock, our buddy Paul Moyer will join us to tell us what a 3-4 stick front is. Is that what it was called, Dave? Stick He's front. probably listening right now. <laughs> He's looking it up right now. He's so. going to make something up. He'll just go, Wyman, how do you not know that? That's easy. That's what well, he's going to do. If he explains it to me in terms of what uh, we used to run, I was asking him about nickel cover 11 the other day, and he sent me like a long text about cover 11. <laughs> well, he is wont to do that. That's what he does, yes. long text. So that's what it was, right? Three, four stick front? That's yeah. That's what KJ called it? Yeah. Okay. Well, got to remember to ask him about that. Uh, so Paul will join us at 3. Again, we are live at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center for uh, the John Schneider Show coming up at 4 o'clock today. Looking forward to that conversation. Make sure you guys tune in for that. Uh, we had K.J. Wright in studio yesterday. Really, really fun conversation with him. Hit a bunch of different things with him, but one of the things we, we asked him uh, brought up that cut we played when he was on with Brock and Salk, where at the time they asked him, would you pay Gino $30 million? Mm-hmm. And his initial response right out of the gate is, we're not even going to entertain that. <laughs> and then when I brought that up to him, he goes, wow, did I say that? I am blunt, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. Uh, but here he is giving a, a new number as to what uh, he would pay Gino. The price is above 30. Yes, the price is above 30. The years, what are we talking about years-wise? Yeah, yeah. I just here's my thing, guys, with quarterbacks. I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest here. When I sign a quarterback to my team, this is should be this is the guy. He is the guy, and the goal is can this quarterback bring me a Super Bowl? Can he bring me a championship? Yes or no? Yes or no? We're not talking about we're just talking about quarterbacks in general. Yes or no? And if I don't feel like this quarterback can bring me a Lombardi Trophy. My mindset should be, let me add more pieces to the puzzle. Let me keep adding guys to the puzzle. And then, because salary cap-wise, when you do pay the kind of money, it shrinks what you can do as a team. So let me pay guys that I know they can do it, that I can trust to do it, versus putting all these eggs in one basket. So, makes sense, right? You want a guy there you believe in that can get us to the promised land, especially if you're going to be paying him 30, 32, 35, 40, whatever that number is. You know, if it's a if it's a Brock Purdy, a guy who's unproven, who maybe is just brought in to not screw it up, you're looking at a different level of pay, certainly, right? I mean, it's yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's nice to not have, or you get a guy on a rookie contract, and right. he's going to be the next Russell Wilson. That's awesome. You love that, but that whole thing is all for naught if we don't know what KJ's answer is, right? Yeah, well, and that that was the the obvious follow up is to uh, he said I need a guy that I think can get me the trophy. So we asked him, "Is Gino that guy? Can Gino get you that trophy? Can Seven Gino seven. be that guy? Yes, yes, I think so. With the help of other pieces. But here's the thing with with Gino, like this team is like there's other pieces that need to be added to this team. Right. There's a lot of pieces that need to be added. So they got to see like, do we go this route or do we add other pieces to this puzzle? So it's a lot of there's holes and there's holes that they have to to plug in with this football team, and so. Well, I, I hate to complicate things, but like, can Patrick Mahomes take you to a Super Bowl and win it? Obviously, 
yes. But if you put the world's crappiest offensive line in front of him, is he going to take you to a Super Bowl? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, look, that's, to me, I think that's almost with every quarterback. You could say that. But he can cover up a lot of shortcomings, which Russell did for a number of years here. He and Marshawn. There, there were years the line was not good, as I've yeah. told you over the years that you would listen to in the press box when I would. Very demanding uh, when it comes to offensive line. But that, this. but that, that was that was a fact for a few years where he his mobility yeah. and and the ability of of Marshawn to not go down from the first contact, blah blah blah. They covered up a lot of warts that were there. So to, I think, in fairness to Patrick Mahomes, the world's worst O line, no, but. He, a guy, he's on a different level where he could cover up mistakes that maybe you don't need to make that hardcore investment in all five guys because we've got a guy who can make things happen. Yeah, well, and then the other thing about during that era, I mean, you were kind of following Hutch and Walter Jones yeah. and Robbie Tobeck and Sean Locklear and Chris Gray. I mean, there was there was a really good offensive line. So, yeah, there was some criticism. The other thing I would say is I think you're right, but – you know, Russ also, and I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying that he does sometimes run into sacks. Certainly. But yeah. he also gets out of a lot of them. So, again, cost of doing business, that's fine. But, yeah, I, I, to me, my answer is yes, Gino can because and, and I, I'm not de-emphasizing the run game, but I do think you can put the ball in his hands and he can win a game for you. I mm-hmm. thought he proved that last year. Now, there was a couple of times that he didn't, but I thought by the end he became that guy. He understands enough, you know, the, the offense and everything. You need a way, way better defense. I mean, and I don't, I don't care if it's, you know, like I said, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the numbers just didn't go up, and, and especially, you know, and I, I, I'll admit this, there's a lot of high expectation because it's Pete. It's Pete's team. You know, and he's always been about defense, and that's how they've that's how they've won. So, you know, to me, I, I feel like that's that's my answer. Yeah, he he definitely, I think, can take you there. He's a Pro Bowler, you know, and he played really well in that flag football game, Bob. Uh, <laughs> did, but, it, did it sound like KJ was not a hundred? He was like, yeah, yes, yes, yes. But there's a lot of whole. I mean, yeah, sound like yeah, I'd like him there, but I really like him at this price because of all the other holes you've got to fill, which I think is accurate. I, I, yeah. I'm i on board with that. I get. I would like Geno to come back. There's no way on God's green earth I'm paying that guy $40 bucks. Sorry, not doing it. Now, maybe the Seahawks will, and they'll figure out a way to fill all the holes and still pay him that much. Help yourself. But I'm sorry. As good as that year was, there's still, there's still a history prior to that that tells me I'm a little reluctant to go dive headfirst into the deep end and go, yep, $40 million over three years or whatever the deal is going to be. Yeah. So, and, and a couple of examples of that would be um, Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that a guy that can take you to the Super Bowl and win it for you? Yeah, he did that. But the first, what, 10 years in Detroit, I mean, he just didn't have the, the parts around him. But he was putting up individually. You yeah. looked at him and said, man, this guy, right. you put him on. Gino didn't have that same story. No, uh, but, you know, Derek Carr does. You know that's that's a that's a guy that is. Derek has, Carr has got a much better resume than Geno had prior to this year. Oh yeah, and now yeah. I'm not even comparing him to to Geno. I'm just saying that, you know, in general, that's just a a fact in the league that yeah, you can have a really good quarterback, but if you don't have the other parts, yeah. you have to have a 
a top 10 defense, you know, you uh, you have to have a, a running game you can rely on. So, and that's what KJ's talking about. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with him. I mean, it's not like, and like I said, I'm going to go to the extremes here. You have Patrick Mahomes and, you know, what looks like a Wooster High School defense, you know, that's playing. Although, you know, we probably would have been okay. We are pretty good. Uh, but, no, but. Uh, you would have been okay against the pros? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> State champions, Bob. No, but I mean. That's what I've heard. That's that, the that's, rumor. That's the case with, with a lot of, you know. So that, that question, I guess, is kind of, you know, one that you can take and go, well, come on. I mean, did you. And did you think Brock Purdy could have possibly taken him? It's not like KJ thought so. KJ said that if Brock Purdy was healthy, we were talk, we'd be talking about the Super yeah. Bowl champion San Francisco 49ers. Why don't you bring that up to Paul Moyer at oh, 3 o'clock? I will. <laughs> you know that's coming. You know that's coming. Yeah. So, uh, But, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those kind of loaded questions where it's like, I mean, it was a great, it was a great question, but, I, I mean, I, I do think that he is the kind of guy that can do that. I think he's proven enough. That you know that that he can do it, but come on, you gotta like KJ said, and he, you know, back when he was talking about and being very blunt about Gino and that there's no way I'm having a conversation, he also said, you know, there are a lot of holes that they have to fill, and they're in the process of doing that. And we'll talk to the guy who's in charge of that at four o'clock, John Schneider, because you know they've got a couple of good drafts here. Um, the one thing I, I would say, and I, I don't know how it's how it goes, and you know. Has Pete stepped away from the defense? Has he no. stepped away and let these guys just go on their own? I think he doesn't want to be known as somebody who's in there meddling constantly. I, for one, would like to see him step back in. I'd like to see him meddle. Yeah. I'd like to see him start meddling. Yeah. So, you know, I thought I had that conversation with Lofa over text the other the other day, and, you know, I was kind of voicing that same that same frustration, but, you know, maybe that's not the answer. We're all just searching for answers. Yeah. But, you know, maybe they come out and just tear it up with the 3-4. They get the right guys in there. Everybody understands how to do it. And, you know, they 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 take off. But that's the – to me, that would be the biggest thing for Gino To answer yes, your defense has to be a lot better. Yeah. I'll just give you – my reluctance centers around two names we've seen in recent history. Blake Bortles. And Joe Flacco, guys that come up with big years. Bortles went almost 4,500 yards, had uh, 35 touchdowns, 18 picks, gets the extension. Wasn't that guy moving forward. Hmm. Joe Flacco gets that team to the Super Bowl, signs a massive deal. Wasn't long before he's a backup. I mean, it just, they didn't, it didn't continue for him. So that's my fear is that one year where they just go nuts for whatever reason, they find it, the team around them is great, whatever, everything just clicks, they get paid, and not that they're not trying, not that it's an effort thing, it's just that they, maintaining that level of play didn't happen. And and that's where I have a little bit of reluctance when it comes to Geno. Brilliant year. Is this who he is moving forward, or is it is it going to be a Bortles situation, a Joe Flacco situation? Yeah, uh, that's that's the question, right? And that's why I think that the Seahawks are going to be able to get him back because I don't think other other teams are going to be willing to, to take that risk. All right, coming up, we know it's a make-or-break year for Jared Kelnick, and we'll get some uh, insight on him coming up. It's Wyman and Bob live from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. 
Coming up at 3 o'clock, Paul Moyer will join us on the program as he does every week with Wyman and Bob. We are live at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. We've got the John Schneider Show coming up at 4 o'clock today, episode 2. Our second conversation, first one went off without a hitch. It was it was just a lot of fun, and I expect it will be the, the case moving forward. He will be with us, in case you weren't aware, uh, every week, every Thursday at 4 o'clock up until day one of the NFL draft. So it's going to be a lot of fun just talking to him throughout that process. That's going to be cool next week, too, I, I think. the uh, Is it me, or has the combine become really fun? I think the NFL's... I've always kind of liked it, and I get mocked. Like, well, you watch really? that? Yeah, Cross oh, used man. to... Graz hated it. Why? I feel, Didn't he hate the draft, too? Graz, if it wasn't a regular season game, he had no interest. Yeah. Training camp, <laughs> preseason, the combine. Yeah. If it wasn't a regular season game, I don't know what I'm looking at. Who cares? Oh, all nonsense <laughs> to Graz. Yeah. Well, I, I've always, you know, since I've been doing this radio show, I've always recorded it on NFL Network. Yeah. But. People weren't as willing to talk about it, and now, I mean, I thought last year they've just done a really good job with it. I think they and get now the, the NFLPA wants to do away with it. Oh my god, so dumb! Yeah, they well, they're trying to make money. They're trying to horn in on you know, oh, we'll, we'll sponsor all these and regional and all these things. You know, the the other thing they were talking about is oh, the kids have to leave. You know, their their last semester. Oh yeah, yeah, they're real concerned. They're taking that. like three days off. Please, it's no big deal. But um, but yeah, that, I think. They have done a good job of getting. Did they have? Did they have uh, current players there last year that they were interviewing? I thought, and then mm. uh, maybe it was Gronk. But um, but yeah, they had that. They also had you know a lot of interviews of the kids. Yeah. You know, the guys that are coming up, and I thought that was great. You get to see the personalities and everything. But I think there's a lot of interesting things. Like I said, it's like uh, it's like a big convention for the NFL, for the, the scouts. And the other one is the Senior Bowl. Yeah. And I talked about that earlier, that down in Mobile, Alabama, which is a really tiny little town, not a lot of, you know, fancy stuff going on there, and the airport's pretty small. Mm. And uh, you, you see every head coach you know, GMs, and that's kind of how it is at the at the combine. So I think that'll be an interesting uh, conversation with him next week. Yeah, so we'll we'll uh, talk to him again each week, Thursdays at 4 o'clock. Paul Moyer coming up at 3 o'clock today. But uh, Tom Verducci wrote a great piece on Jared Kelnick a few days ago, uh, and he was on – was he on in the morning, I think? I think he was on the Yeah, morning. I think so. Um, but <clears throat> so he, he wrote the article, and they were talking to him about, you know, Kelnick – in his opinion, in in this cut, talking about just his mindset being better. Uh, I learned that he's in a really good place mentally. You know, and listen, it's tough to get yourself established in the big leagues, no matter how talented you are, and he knows that as well as anybody. And I think things snowballed on him. And I think, uh, you know, listen, we haven't played a game that counts yet. So, you know, hold off on final judgments here. But it begins with being in good mental space. So it really sounds like he's in that place. You know, encouraging things happened in last September. It sounds like he had a good off season in terms of attacking some of the things that the Mariners wanted him to to make adjustments on. So that's all positive. And I think also it's funny how sometimes when you fail and the expectations get lowered, it puts you in a better better mental space. Yeah, I mean, it, I I think he's spot on. I don't. I think some of the pressure's off that people are now adjusting. We've talked about it. Like, man, if the guy could hit. 240, 250, which I guess these days is considered a, a nice average. But, you know, get on base, uh, three, 300 plus on base percentage, hit 20 home run. I mean, we've lowered it from we were looking at him like he was 
Julio, before Julio. Mm-hmm. Those are sort of the expectations that, that were uh, attached to him. And now we've all kind of, or I feel like most people have kind of gone, all right, just give me this. Just be a guy who's not a hole in the lineup, who I don't, when he comes up to the plate, I'm going, great, here's an out. Just just don't be that guy. Just be better than that. <laughs> and I think maybe, I don't know how much he hears it, but I'm sure he senses just the lack of expectation. All eyes are on him. I think there's curiosity but to me, there's a very big distinction between curiosity and wanting to see versus expectation. Yeah, I, I, I wonder about with Kelnick a couple of things. One is that um, do you remember how many times that you were like, oh, man, he hit right into the shift? I mean, last year. Not, a, not exactly. I, I really only had that feeling with Seeger. Yeah, Seeger, it really stood out with yeah. him, right? Yeah. You're like, ah. Oh. But, you know, and so with Jared, I feel like he's got all the ability it's upstairs. It's got to be. It's his confidence. So let's say, you know, maybe he's a guy that stands to gain the most from the shift going away just because he just needs some success, some sustained success over a period of time. The other thing is, um, you know, that we've kind of heard about him is his background. You know, first of all, he's never failed. He's always just been on top of everything, but he's not played in like meaningful games. You know, like he was on a travel team or what do they call that? It's AAU and basketball. You know, his dad had his own little setup there and everything. Now he's played some meaningful baseball and kind of knows what it's about. Maybe that helps him. I don't know. I mean, I'm just looking for anything to trigger this guy, just get his confidence back. And, you know, he comes off as very confident. But I think deep down, this guy, he needs some he needs a month you know, or um, two months where he's putting together really good numbers. And like you said, man, if it's if it turns out to be like 240, 250, take it, man. Yeah, playing great defense in the outfield. Yeah, if he's, if he, you know, be a threat up there, get on base, whether it's a walk, whatever, and become a stolen base threat. There are other areas he can truly impact the game. But just don't be that, that hole in the lineup where you're just throwing your hands up like, well, if he squares it up, it's going to go a long way. But – He's more likely to ground out or strike out. You just don't want that. Uh, quickly before the break, one more from Verducci. Just talking about younger players like Kelnick. Kelnick need to learn how to deal with that adversity. For the guys who really care, it sounds like Jared's one of these guys who really, really cares. It's probably not the right thing to say, but maybe sometimes cares too much mm-hmm. because there's so much advice you get when things go bad. Uh, maybe you start overcorrecting some things. So uh, I think letting things go, it's a very difficult place to get to, but you know, going through these experiences help you get there. Yeah, I, I think, listen, nobody wants to see him struggle. He's, he's a part of a team we all root for. I want to see the guy be a star. I want every player on this team to be a star. But he was also a guy that came in with a bit of a, a an attitude of, and he's said it in the press, hey, man, I know for a fact I could have helped this team last year. He was upset about not being with the big club mm. and saying things like that. I think this humbles him. I think this probably puts him in a better mental space. Now it stinks you had to go through this and get the, the ridicule and the criticism from the fans and what have you, you know, and, and you know, coming up short on, on a big stage certainly is not fun. But I think in the end, hopefully we can look back at this and go, man, there was a lot of value to him going through that because it just changed his mentality. So I'm hoping that's I'm hoping that's the conversation we're having a few years from now. Maybe maybe he even acknowledges that and said, "Yeah, knock me down a peg or two, and that's what I needed." So we're we're all hoping we're all hoping this this year will be the year he takes that step. Meanwhile, Paul Moyer will join us. We'll get some insight on the Hawks, free agency, draft, everything. Tell he'll see if he can tell us what a three four stick front is. Yeah. That's coming up with Wyman and Bob live from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. This is Seattle Sports on Seven Ten.